going to start with a story that has nothing to do with giving so that I can sneak up on the backside of you later and just really talk about something that I'm not really talking about. Just, just don't want you to caught off guard. So, Sermon, it's not about giving it all. Here's what I want you to do. I'm giving you work today. So while I'm speaking not on finances and not on giving, I want you to try to figure out while I'm talking, you know, a way to make everything that I'm saying fit into a sermon on finances and giving. And um, if you'll do that, high five me right now. It's fair enough, and we're all good. All right, hallelujah. Join me right now. We welcome everybody that's watching online, listening online. They couldn't be here today, but they're still faithful enough and want to hear and listen. God touched their lives. And again, one more time louder for the Eunice Correctional Facility. We'll be, we'll be streaming into their facility live later on, our extended family there. A great series. I love the title, This Is What We Do. Man, you could do anything with that title. You could just go anywhere with it. Um, but Pastor Tiz, Chris decided to go to, to giving and finances and generosity and just what we do. We honor God in every area of our lives and faithful, and, and God is just so faithful that when we do that, He always honors His Word. It always comes back to His Word. He always, he's, he's God. He stands on His Word. I speak to you today on this is what we do. Uh, four things that just kind of will fit into what I'm going to say today. Number one, we listen to the voice of God. Number two, we believe the word that we've heard from God down to the very last detail. Um, number three, we obey the voice of God that we're hearing from His word, even if it has to do with, yeah, finances. You've got to plug it in. Remember I told you your work. And here's number four. I love this. We, we don't need to keep hearing it over and over and over again. We, are, we, we, we take God at His word. We don't have to have His word uh, confirmed to us and affirmed for us and reaffirmed to us. And He doesn't have to continually keep speaking to us what He's already told us. What we've heard, we believe it. Is that fair enough? So I'm going to read you a short portion of a story in 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 6 and 7, if you have your Bibles. And if you do not, it will probably be on the screen um, maybe you've got a techno device, you can pull it up real quickly. I, I'm still working with, you know, this high-tech iPad I've got here, so um, join me. Yeah, if you, you used to hear pages flipping, but not so much anymore. Second Kings 19, 6 and 7. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus you shall say to your master, Go back to King Hezekiah, give him this word. Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which you've heard from the servants of the king of Assyria, that have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him. He's going to hear a rumor, and he's going to return to his own land, and I'm going to cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. So this is a story of, this, of King Hezekiah, who was king of Judah. You can read it, 2 Kings, Kings chapters 18 and 19. I encourage you to do that when you get home. It's a great story. And um, as all of the Old Testament stories of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah begin, this one begins by telling us, who Hezekiah is. He is son of Ahaz. He's 25 years old when he begins to reign or becomes king over Judah, and he reigned for 29 years. And his story begins with this statement about him. The Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Man, what a great comment to say about someone. It's always great. I hope they say that about me when, over the casket when I'm in there and somebody's preaching my, my, my funeral. I hope that's what is said. And so when you read about these Old Testament kings, their story always begins with either they did what was right in the sight of the Lord or they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Some of them, their story begins with they started off good and somewhere in the midst of their reign they would turn and begin to do evil and still there were others who started off by doing evil and revival would take place and they would turn and the end of their reign was better than the beginning. 
But the Bible says about Hezekiah in chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, it says this, He trusted in the Lord God, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah. Like before him or after him, there was never another king like him. And he was that way because he, he clove to the Lord. He held on to the Lord, and he never departed from following him. Man, what a great word about a man. But during his reign as king, King Hezekiah's reign, there was another king, a king of Assyria, whose name was Sennacherib. I love that name. It really sounds like I'm going to snack on a rib. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hungry because we got here early this morning, and it's, it's getting close to lunch, and I want to snack on a rib or two. And so Sennacherib is raiding throughout the land, Hezekiah's land. He's coming in, man, he's, he's, and Hezekiah just rebels against him, and he's coming out there, and he's taking all the fortified cities by force. He's come against all the cities of, of, of the kingdom and taking control of them. And Hezekiah feels like he's offended this king, so he sends a word to him. He says, look, man, what will it take for you to stop raiding in my land? And um, he's wanting to pay him off. So instead of fighting, he said, can I pay you an amount and it'll be over with? And Kaneen Snack on a Rib says, look, man, if you give me a bunch of baby back ribs. Um, no, he says, look, look, here's the amount. He gives him an amount. And the amount is so high that in order to pay it, Hezekiah has to take all of the silver in the land. And he's going to have to go into the temple of God. And he steals all of the silver out of the temple of God. He even has to take the, the gold from off of the doors of the temple of God to pay this ransom. It's so high. But he pays it. And so the king takes the money, and then he still sends his army against Jerusalem. And so he, he comes out of Jerusalem, and the, the army show up, and they're camped outside of the city. And it's the only city that is left in the whole kingdom that he hasn't taken control of. And it's where Hezekiah's throne is. And he gets there with his army. And before he attacks, he sends messengers to King Hezekiah and to the people. And he begins to mock God, and he begins to ridicule their God. And he says to them this. He says to King Hezekiah, where is your confidence? And who is this God that you are trusting in to even think that you can rebel against me? And he sends word to King Hezekiah, and he also sends messengers out into the land and to the people in Hezekiah's kingdom. And he says, don't let your king deceive you because he is not going to be able to deliver you out of my hand. Don't let Hezekiah persuade you to believe in your Lord, your God, because he will not deliver you. In fact, he goes one step further. He says this, your God has told me to come against you and to destroy you. Man. So Hezekiah is, man, he's troubled. He, he, so he does what every good follower of the Lord does. He goes to the house of the Lord. He tears his clothes open. He puts on sackcloths and ashes, and he prays, and he sends sends word to prophet Isaiah, and he says, man, you need to help me. Ask God, what do we need to do? And so Hezekiah, uh, Isaiah prays, and he gets a word from God, and he sends the word back to Hezekiah in the form of a letter. And he says, tell Hezekiah this, don't. God said, don't be afraid. I'm going to take care of this thing. And so Hezekiah has a word from God. How I many of you know this? When you get a word from God, what's next? The enemy's going to come and tell you that what you heard is not true. That what you, what you heard from God is not going to work. That what God is telling you to do ain't going to happen, and it ain't going to work. And if you do that, you're going to fall flat on your face, and he won't sustain you, and he won't help you. And so 
King Sennacherib hears of the word from the prophet, and he hears what he told Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah, and he begins to defy God again. So he begins boasting and ranting and raving again. Don't trust in your God. He's deceiving you. If you believe he can deliver you, you are being fooled. And then he goes this. He says, watch this. See all of these other kings and all of these other kingdoms that I have already destroyed. What makes you believe that you're going to be any different? How do you think that your God is going to deliver you? You see, all of these other nations, their gods didn't, de- didn't deliver them, and your God is not going to deliver you. Your God won't be any different than their gods. I'm going to destroy you, and there's nothing your God can do about it. And don't let your king Hezekiah deceive you. And so Hezekiah, here's the second threats. After receiving the word from God, and he takes the letter that he had from, from Isaiah that told him, trust in God, don't fear It's going to be okay. And he comes to the house of the Lord with it. And he takes a letter and he spreads it out before God. And he begins to pray. And I'm going to paraphrase his prayer, but it sounds something like this. Lord, you see this letter? This is what you said to me. Now you need to do what you said you would do. Can I encourage you not to pray that? Don't be so bold. To come to God and say, hey, you said you would do it. Now, what you said you would do, you, you better do it. I, I don't know. I, I'm okay with praying, God, do what only you can do. But after I've heard from God and I know I've heard from God, I, I just need to accept that word. I just, need to, I just need to stand on what God is telling me. Right? But thank God he honors, honors silly prayers too. Because he, he heard Hezekiah's prayer. And watch what he says. He says, Hezekiah, that which you've prayed, God says, I have heard. And that king of Assyria, he's not going to come into your city. He's not going to shoot one arrow into your city. Not even one of his shields will be seen in your city. He's leaving by the same way he came. I will defend this city for my sake and for my servant David's sake. He's not even coming here. He's going home just like he came. I wonder when, as Christians, as as a child of God, when are we going to accept God in His Word and just take the first word we get from God and say, God, you spoke it, I believe it, I'm going to stand on it, I'm going to obey it, and I'm going to do it. You see, God does not bless certain people's lives. He doesn't doesn't just handpick people and say, I'm going to bless him, I'm going to bless her, I'm going to bless... No, what God does is He always honors His Word. He stands firmly on His Word. So when you hear a word from God, number one, believe it. Number two, do it. And God blesses that, and He is not a respecter of persons. So if you stand on His Word, He will bless you. How do I know I'm hearing from God? How do I know it's a word from God? Well, you need to learn to recognize His voice. Or you can just read it in His Word. If it's in His Word, it is His Word. And he will stand on it. How many of you want a blessed life? Man, I want a blessed life. Man, that was very few of you. How many of you want a blessed life? Yeah, that's much better. Woo, I was getting nervous. I'm going to stop preaching right now if you don't want a blessed life. We all want God's blessings in every area of our life. I don't want just God just to touch my life. I want him to touch every area of it. You see, right here, if I were talking about giving, you could... You could apply that to your finances. I want God to bless my finances. See, we all want a blessed life, but we don't all want to live a life that God honors in every area of it. See, if I would do that, then He would, then, then he would, he would bless the life that, that I am living. 
See, I can't wait for God to bless me so that I can proclaim I have a blessed life. I have to live a life that God will bless so that when he blesses it, I can say, look, I have a blessed life. Every area of our lives, well, that includes giving and finances, even in a message that is not about. Thank you. She's listening. Giving. Finances. Pastor Chris was so transparent. Last Sunday, I'm going to be the same way about giving. Just Man, just, he has this great way of preaching about giving. I just, I just love it. And it works. The fruit is here. I'm on the board. I know. I see. I see how faithful you are. See, I came up in a different way of preaching about giving. Like you preach about giving. It's like, man, God, you're you, you going to give to God. Hallelujah. Bless God. And he's, he, he requires a tenth from you. You give the first fruit of everything you did. And if you don't, something's going to break and God's going to take it anyway. We were always faithful tithers, and I remember one time we decided, man, we wanted to buy something else, so we did not tithe. We, we, did not, we didn't return that to God, and I, I'm telling you the washing machine broke, and I'm telling you it cost exactly what my tithe was going to be. Grandma used to give us a dollar for our birthday, and she would tell us, when you get too old for this, you just, you just ain't getting nothing. And I'd get that dollar, and Dad would say, where's God's? I give him 10 cents. And it wasn't that we were going to win the world with my 10 cents. We were going to reach the world with it. But it was a concept. It was the precept. It was what was being instilled in me. It doesn't matter how small it is. 10% of it is not yours. It belongs to God. And so I would give that. And so for me, just as for me, I'm just being honest. For me, if I were going to talk about the 10th, which I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about giving. But if I were, it would, for me, it's about hearing, believing, obeying, and never questioning any of it again. Just trusting that God, just trusting that he's going to stand up. This is what we do. The word for me, when I, when I think about the tenth, it's about trust. Do you honor God to trust his word, even with your finances? See, I do. And so how many times do we have to hear? See, Christians today, this is how we are. We need heaven to open up. We need fire to fall down. And we need the ground to shake beneath our feet. And we need Pastor Chris to preach the right series, and we need to hear it at least four Sundays in a row. The series has to be at least four Sundays on. Five would be better. But preach it just right. Say it just right. Title it just right. Get my attention. Oh, and play testimony so that we know that God is faithful what he said he would do. And I'm all for testimonies, and I've got one for you. But see, here's how God, that's how faithful he is. He's patient. He's kind. He's just. He could just give us his word and say, do it or else. But he doesn't. He just keeps giving, and he keeps reaching. He's just faithful, and he gives us testimonies, and he, we watch others go through it, and we hear their story, how God was faithful and sustained them because they were faithful in their giving. So what would it take for you to just trust God, even with your finances, even in a message that's not about? Maybe for you it's proof. Maybe you need proof that God can do more with less. Because let's face it, if you give tenth, you've got less than what you started with. You give a tenth, you tithe. So maybe you need proof that God will do more with less. For me, this is for me, but for me, the tithe is about trusting God that He can do more with $90 than I can do with $100. So if I, so if I give it to Him first fruit, I don't look at my bills and how much I need, I owe, and all of that, but I return that back to Him, and I keep what He, he's, he said is mine, that He's going to take that, stretch it, make it go further than if I wouldn't have given. That's just, that's just the trust for me. So I'd offer you this challenge. So if, if I gave you $100 right now, which I'm not, 
and, and, and God came down from heaven in person, which he's not, and stood right here, and he said, okay, your $100, I'm going to take 90 Would you accept the challenge from me to go out and say, let's see who can do more with what they have? Would you accept the challenge? Would you accept the challenge, God, I can do more with this 100 than you can do with your 90 I wouldn't. And I don't. So maybe, let me say it, let me just, let me, let me ask it another way. Just to be, just, just to be practical and real. If God gave you seven loaves and two fish, because in Matthew 15, there's a story that we never hear anything about because it gets lost in this other story. In Matthew 15, Jesus feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves and two fish and takes seven baskets of leftovers. But in Matthew 14, he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish and, bring, and takes up 12 baskets of leftovers. So we don't hear about the seven loaves and the fish too much because it gets lost in the other story because you realize that 5,000 being fed with five loaves and 12 baskets left over is a much greater miracle than seven loaves feeding 4,000 with only seven baskets left over. So here's the challenge. If you had seven loaves and two fish and Jesus had five loaves and two fish, would you accept the challenge to him to say, go out, let's go out and feed, see who can feed more people and still have more left over than when you started? No, because all of us know that you cannot feed that many people with a little sack lunch. But the beauty of this story is that there was a little boy that had a lunch, and Jesus said, we've got 5,000 people that we need to feed. How are we going to feed them? And this little boy says, oh, Jesus, use this. Isn't that like childlike faith? His lunch was enough to feed him, so he just felt, man, it'll feed everybody. Yeah, I'll just give it to Jesus, and he'll feed 5,000. And Jesus goes, that's beautiful. I can use that. So he takes it. the moral of the story is this. The little boy didn't say, wait, give me one fish because I'm hungry. He gave it all. And the reason that Jesus could use it because he was willing to give everything that he had. So would you accept that challenge? No, not and nobody else. So I just ask you this, and just, just for me, I'm just asking you a question. Then, then why do we tell God with our finances, I can do more with 100% of my finances than you can do with 90%, God? Which is what we do, in my opinion, when we when we do not honor God with the first fruit and give what is already His. See, the fish story doesn't have anything to do with tithe, but it does show what God can do when we're willing to give to Him and trust Him with the outcome. So, so beautifully. And so in, the, in this fish story, watch as Jesus takes what the boy gave him. He blessed it. He broke it. He blessed it. and He broke it. Don't get all crazy when God breaks you after He blesses you. Because when He blesses you and begins to break you, He's about to start distributing things to where they need to go. So Jesus blessed it. He broke it before He gave it. See, when God blesses something, then He breaks it and begins to distribute it where it needs to go. The pieces that He breaks off of the whole are bigger and greater than the whole was. Obviously, because you can't start breaking five little loaves and feed 5,000 people. Plus, we leave that out all the time, plus women and children, right? So the number was greater than that. But you can't, you can't just start pulling off these little loaves, and five of them, and feed that many people. Obviously, when he broke off a piece, 
it just multiplied. And so when you're faithful with what God is requiring of you, and you feel like you're breaking it away and giving it, He's saying, I'm just going to multiply it, and I'm going to make what's left go so much further. This is not about money. It's about every area of your life. This is about being blessed. This is about living a life that, that God will honor because that life honors His Word and He honors His work. It's just that finances sometimes are the hardest area, as Pastor Chris explained so perfectly last Sunday for us to trust God in. But I can tell you this, my story, I have seen God do the fish story in my life. You fed 5,000 people? No. But I'll tell you what happened to me. I had an income, and I had a job, and then I had a second income, and that second income went a wave. My wife and I both, we each had a position, and we lost both of them. And listen, I'm going to give you the amount. I lost $1,800 a month like this. This month it was here. The next month it was gone. And I'm telling you, frantic, we were frantic because I, I began to look at our finances, and I began to look at the bills, and I began to look at the paycheck, and I was like, it, it won't go that far. And we need to cut here, and we need to cut there, and we need to cut this. And I began to try to cut and, and refinance everything and readjust everything. And I could not find $1,800 a month. I just could not find it. But I'll tell you what, we stood on this thing. We, we, and I didn't, I didn't just say, baby, we're going to do this together. We said, look, we're not going to stop giving the tithe. It's going to be the first fruit. That, that's a given. It's not even a question. And we were also giving in other areas. We were partners in missions with, with, with uh, missionaries that we personally, from our own home, were sponsoring these missionaries two or three of them and I told my wife I said we will not we will not stop giving that either those those missionaries are depending on us we promise that and God's going to see us through so we did not cut there and in fact we didn't cut anything we just said let's just see what God does and to this day I'm telling you to this day I can't put pencil to it it doesn't add up I don't know I don't know how what was left worked but it worked In fact, I didn't say this in first service, but that year, I bought two brand new vehicles that year. I walked into a dealership. I'm serious. I walked into the dealership. I said, I want a truck. Oh, by the way, my wife needs a car. I bought a car and a truck, same dealership, same day after losing. Because it just, it just worked. I don't know. I, and I was telling this story at work, and some stick in the mud says, you give me your checkbook. I'll find that money. So you won't find it. I, don't know, I, just, I just can't explain it. I was just faithful with what I had, and God stretched it. See, we need sermons and series and words and confirmation and affirmation and affirming to the word we've already had, and still, sometimes we doubt. Why don't we just take God's word? Say, so if you're faithful with what I'm requiring of you, I'm going to bless it. You believe that? Just one word. You know that I could preach Jesus' first two sermons in 20 seconds. His whole sermons, two of them. I'm going to preach them right now. The first one was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Nine words. Whole sermon. And people just, man, I like those kind of sermons. That's a lot less preparation than what I just did. Second sermon, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Ten words. And these men left everything, dropped everything, their livelihood, their family, their friends, their home. They just walked away from it all. Just followed Jesus. The first word they ever heard out of his mouth, they just believed it, stood on it, followed him. See, if I could give you one word today, would you believe it? If you knew it was a word from God. 
on, on a, in a message that's not even about finances, not even about giving. If I could talk to you right now, one word, it would be Luke 6, 38. It says this, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, man, I like this, it's going to be measured back to you. We need to read that verse the way that it really is intended to be read. Given it shall be given unto you. Given it shall be given unto you. That's how we read it. No. Give and it where the emphasis belongs, shall be given unto you. Give what? Exactly. Anything. It's not about money. We've made this, we've made this verse about, about money for all, all our lives. For, at least I have. I'm just, I'm, I'm just lumping you in with me. Maybe you haven't, but I have. And it's not even talking about money because if you read the whole chapter, this is verse 38, but in the chapter, Jesus talks about love. Mercy, judgment, which is the only thing you don't want to give a lot of to get a lot, okay? Just saying. That's the only thing in there you want to give a little, get a little. Love, mercy, kindness, all in this chapter. He speaks about judgment, forgiveness. Did you know that the Bible says that the way that you forgive others, you are setting the stage for the way that your judgment you are determining now how you're going to be judged in the end by the judgment that you give out. It's all coming back to you. What you're willing. Talks about forgiveness, judgment, forgiveness, lending, borrowing, finances. He talks about all of that. And then he ends the parable with that verse. Give. Give love. And love shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Give kindness, and kindness shall be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Give mercy. You get, the, you get what I'm saying. Give forgiveness. And this is not about giving to get, but he does talk about finances in that chapter as well, and it fits the same thing. He said, if you're willing to give it away. See, in God's economy, what you want to keep, you've got to be willing to let go of. If you want it, you've got to give it. My favorite singer in the whole world sang on this stage a year or so ago, Jason Crabb. If, you don't, if he's not your favorite, it's because you've never heard him. Come on, somebody. One of my least favorite songs of his, but it's still him, so I love it. And it's not just good lyrics. Some songs we sing is just good, good lyrics. They don't make much sense, and they're not even true. This one's true. It says, if you want to get loved, then give it. You want to feel some forgiveness. You got to let go and do some forgiving of your own. If you want a friend, then be one. A little bit of kindness shows up. And you'll be surprised at how much finds its way back home. Because it don't matter what it is. If you want it, give. And it's great because it's true. God's economy, if you want to keep something, you got to give it away. I know, right? It doesn't make any sense. 
But it's the heart behind the habit. It's not that you just give it away. you got to give it away with the right expectation. If you read this chapter again, Luke chapter 6, you'll understand that everything that he talks about, he says you have to give expecting not to receive anything in return. You have to give that way for God to honor that heart. It's the heart behind the habit. Crazy. And watch this. I love this. For with the measure you use. See, in all of these things, in love and mercy and kindness and finances and forgiveness, God says, you choose the cup. Just choose the cup, fill it up, give it away. And I'm going to give that same cup back to you. But when it comes back, have you ever, I wanted to bring flour, but I would have made such a mess. I really would have. Have you ever filled, flour is a great example of this. Have you filled a, filled a cup up with flour and you said it's full, and then you set it on the cabinet and it bounced a few times and you realize, no, it's not. And so you, you shake it and you, and you bounce it and you shake it and you press it and you can, man, you can almost put twice as much. See, what you thought was full, pressed down, shaking the other, it's not full. So God said, choose the cup, fill it up. How much love do you want to give? Fill it up, give it away. And when it comes back to you, I'm going to give it back to you, but I'm going to press it down, shake it together. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together. And it's going to come back to you. And what you gave is going to be running over the sides. There's going to be so much in the cup. But you choose the cup. How much are you willing to trust God with in your life? He's faithful. So faithful to his word. Lastly, in a message, it's not about giving. Won't you bow your heads with me right now? No one's looking around except me and maybe Pastor and a few staff members that will peek around because we want to just connect with you if you raise your hand. We're not going to make a show of it in any, any sense at all. But the same thing that I've been talking about, if you want to keep something, you got to give it. Works with life in God's economy. If you want to keep your life, you have to be willing to give it away. Let me say it a different way. If you want, to, if you want life, you have to give life. In other words, God has eternal life that He would give you, but in order to give you that, he's asking you to relinquish control of the temporal life that you have now. If you are willing to relinquish control of this temporal short little life that you're living now, he will in return give you eternal life. Or you can choose to keep control of this life and not receive that eternal life. His choice is yours. But it's kind of like the challenge I offered earlier. It's a no-brainer decision. Who wouldn't want to relinquish control of this life so that God would give you eternal life. If you've never done that, if you do not know what it's like to say, I've given my heart to God, I've never, I've never made that decision, preacher, and I want to do that today with all heads bowed, no one looking around but me and, a, and Pastor, maybe just want to slip your hand up, slip it up, put it down. Amen. Thank you. Church, join me right now. If you raised your hand, if you didn't, you pray this prayer with me. Just join with me. Jesus, I just ask you right now to forgive me.
Forgive me for my wrongs. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for the times that I've fallen short when I've tried to please you in my own way and I couldn't. Jesus, take my life. This temporal life I give to you. And I'm just accepting your offer of eternal life right now. I give you my life. Take it. Use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Come on, rejoice with us right now.